Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of RSPN Uncensored. I am Mark. Of course, he is Jeff. Yo. We're doing this a little bit backwards because, again, we're in an era of time right now that is a little bit opposite of what is going on currently in the country. Yeah. Some places are beginning to open up and start getting a little bit more comfortable in in beginning our economy once again. Thankfully, very thankful for Jeff and I that we do not have to worry about that as of right now. Jeff and I actually have a fat back TV on as we are watching a little bit of MTV. A much better time, I would say, to watch MTVs is a little bit more entertaining television than the 24 hours of Rob Durdeck that MTV actually shows as of right now. And um, before we go any further, I'd actually like to I actually like to ask you this question before we get into episode seven and eight of The Last Dance. Jeff, uh, where do you stand in this current area of summer 1998? I feel like we cannot go further before we actually take a stance because it looks like at this point. In time of life in 98, everybody is beginning to set up their stances on this very, very critical time that is going on in music. Uh, Where do you stand between the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that is a great way to start this off, because I think that may be more important than the last dance. Um, Let's see. Uh, You know, I have respect for both sides. I loved TRL. I know you did too. We had kind of spoke about this uh, mm. like a year ago, but uh, I loved TRL. Uh, I love NSYNC. I feel like NSYNC had just a little bit more of that urban vibe at times. Is it JC's? Is it JC's? What was the vibe of that black song? He wears some durags here and there, you know, but they were definitely uh, trying to take some of the culture. But I don't think it was on purpose. Maybe it was. I don't know. But I'm more of an instinct type of guy. But I, I I respect the Backstreet Boys. Because right now the God Max Martin is putting in plenty of work. Yeah, has work on the Backstreet Boys' debut album at least, mm-hmm. which came out apparently two years ago until they actually started releasing things in the United States in 1997. Same thing with Insync. I have just learned that I had no idea that the actual debut Insync album that has a complete different cover than the one that you would see on DSPs with the it's like a little bit of a, of a light blue and an orange and it yeah. has all five of the members uh if you actually take a look at the initial german release of insync oh. in 1997 this cover looks highly embarrassing at this Ooh. point i really don't blame timberlake for wanting to not want <laughs> come on bro to, to, uh, i mean i mean just, just just please look at this cover look at this cover I'm, of jc's hair right now hold on hold on let's see chris Kirkpatrick's. Uh, patrick's uh, uh it's really <clears throat> disrespectful to any form of culture to call those dreads um, you have last oh, wow. bands. You have. Oh wow, I see it. <laughs> he put tone in the corner, and you look at JT's face. Look at the JT's face there in a maroon V-neck. Wow. Uh, and it only took it only took a couple of months for them to be ragged up and having a little bit of ghetto. So, what is the line from JC? I, I'm I'm really disappointed that I do not remember this line from from uh, Bring It All to Me, but it only took a little bit of time for them to actually start doing that and begin the boy band war on mtv that we are yeah. currently in as of right now that was a great time like it's a great time like if 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 you weren't if you didn't get to experience it the first time now that we're actually back here just to see it again it's like you know i feel sorry for the kids that like i know boy band stuff is kind of like frowned upon a little bit even laughed at in 2020 just a tad bit um but that shit was great man it was fun 
I mean, shit, they had they had their uh their One Directions. What do the kids have now? Uh, I know, but even Five SOS. I, I don't. I'm not sure who that is, but the One Direction <laughs> thing. Even that, you know, like I feel like they were huge, mm-hmm. but paled in comparison to what we had. It was to me, to me though, like One Direction was nowhere near like the phenomenon of Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Spice Girls, like that type of thing. It was just not. You know what I'm saying? It was it was not the same. It was not the same. The energy was definitely different. And shout out to Harry Styles and Zayn, the two yeah. people that are that are actually yeah. interesting to me as far they're as solo careers that are in that. I did yeah, not expect cold. to shout out Harry Styles this week or at any point in RSPN Uncensored. But yeah, shout out Harry Styles. As we Zane talk about too. a moment, Zayn just, Zane just had a new baby too. Did he? Yeah, yeah. Salute. All right. Shout out to um. Uh, who did he? Who did he? Uh, I'm um, trying to remember who he married. The the model. She's gorgeous. I forget her name too. This is awful. But Happy Mother's Day. And we, we didn't even bring we didn't even bring that up. We're talking about Backstreet Boys and Nsync. We did not wish a happy <laughs> Mother's Day to all of our listeners, whether yeah. uh, you are a mother yourself, whether you are celebrating your mother as well. Best wishes from us, from Jeff and I, as we are uh, uh, in a much different time, of course. But we can still make sure to shout out everybody for their Happy Mother's Day. Hope you actually did enjoy it yesterday. But as we talk about emotion, and we talk well, not necessarily about boy bands, but we talk about emotion as well. I would like to start realizing that we're getting to the area an area in the last dance where we're starting to get a decent amount of emotion or trying at least to get a decent amount of emotion out of michael jordan you would say right Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah definitely i mean i you know coming up we didn't see much of it until he wins but just on a regular day-to-day thing we kind of see him as this you know uh winner is paul bunyan essentially yeah, he's just a winner who's like he a little bit of attitude, you know, but seeing, you know, icons get emotional is I think it's it's just a part of it's a part of the story. Like we want to see it as the viewer. And so far Michael hasn't hasn't really dove too deep into emotion in that type of sense. We've seen a lot of the winning, we've seen a lot of yeah. the a lot of the uh what is the, the the hot the hot key, the hot word that people use when it comes to uh describing it in a Jordan perspective. Uh passion. We've seen a yeah. lot of the passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to see more of like, you know, um insecurities and and those type of things. Like to mm-hmm. make not, not the winning, obviously you're gonna be emotional winning a championship. Um, but I'm more interested in the insecurities that he has or the things that the things that bother him that would make him emotional. You know what I'm saying? You don't see a lot of that because I think he was just so busy making sure that he always looked like the leader. So, yeah. Exactly. And a lot of that has been internalized for the most part. I mean, we've seen emotion from uh, his Hall of Fame speech. We've seen emotion from, of course, the the service of Kobe Bryant as well. But we don't really see too much of what it came from those championship years that he had in those early 90s going up to his actual return in the late 90s and winning the championships that we have to provide the documentary that we have today. And so far, the producers are trying to pull it out of Michael and haven't really got a deep amount of that yet. We saw a really brief glimpse of it last week in between episode five and six of The Last Dance where we start going down the road of be like Mike, not only the actual commercial itself, but what it is to actually be in the life of Michael Jordan or actually being Michael Jordan itself. It gets really tiring to a certain point in 1993 that he is considering giving all this shit up and just doing something different that is not taxing on the mental, that is not taxing on the body. Mm-hmm. And if it is taxing on the body, at least a lot less than what is currently going on for his regimen in the NBA and being one of the 
key players, if not the key player of the entire league. There's not a lot of people that walk into the NBA and walk out stating that they were the face of the entire league and pretty much the responsibility of a lot of the money that the NBA makes at a certain point in time. He was that for at this point in the documentary, at least in 1993, for the past nine years. Yeah, he, he had a lot of a lot of drip. He was carrying a lot of culture. Um, he was the man. You know, everybody wanted to be like him, had the best sneakers. Uh, you know, it was just one of those things. That the energy was different, you know, and I think to me that's the true groundwork that was being laid out was that, you know what I'm saying? I mean, you could say, you know, when we skip ahead and, and get to the, the later of the 90s, um, that that was like the pinnacle, but I think without that that swag and without that that groundwork being laid out to be like Mike shit, man, we really won't. We wouldn't have it like this, you know. Sometimes players they become great just off the energy that they're being fed. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like that's just real. So I think that had a lot to do with it. Now the the effects that come from Michael's energy is something that is. Uh, discussed a whole lot in episode seven and episode eight to the areas that we hear from specific players of the things that were called tyranny from Steve Smith in his book of the Jordan rules in episodes five and six as well. Um, but as we start seeing that start to simmer, we see where Michael starts to get in a mental space to actually give a whole lot of this up. And can he do that and feel good with himself as he moves forward into another life. We start seeing that in episode seven and episode eight, but I will give a little bit of a warning as we start getting to that. I did get a little bit of a visitor within this past week. Is that so? That I'm going to discuss as we start breaking down these chapters. It's a good visitor, uh, a very pivotal visitor to where we currently are in this room as of right now. Uh, Specifically, more specifically, my own existence (laughs) Um, this person ends up showing themselves throughout this documentary and I am truly killing myself for not secretly miking up at this point in time. We'll get to that as we review episode seven and episode eight of the last dance on this week's episode of RSPN Uncensored. My stripes show like regiments, military intelligence. Last week, we ended up getting much closer to the beginning of the 1998 NBA playoffs. They had a little bit of a scare in February where they ended up playing the Utah Jazz, and they were a little bit concerned on if they were to reach the NBA Finals once again and meet the Utah Jazz. How would that actually end up playing out? Because Utah looked very strong uh, compared to the fight that they had in 1997 in the NBA Finals. And truthfully, if it was going to happen again, it was going to be a monumentous matchup between the Utah Jazz and the Chicago Bulls for Stockton and Malone to actually face Michael Jordan in his last year once again and try and stop him from getting an NBA championship and walking out and bowing out essentially as a champion. Yeah. But to start off that road for the Chicago Bulls, they have to start their first round and they're going to face the John Kyle Perry. (laughs) Scumbag himself. And the, uh, what's wrong with Kyle Perry? Man, it's a long story because if we start getting into Kyle Perry, then we start getting into Kentucky and it's like a whole nother you know, he's not with Kentucky at this point, so we can't, I can't. Exactly. That that name is very synonymous with college basketball yeah. at this point in time because he ends up being, what, one of the most winningest uh, uh, coaches of all time when it comes to college basketball? You know, he's 
Yeah. Does this does this conversation <laughs> make you very uncomfortable as a as a Yeah, you know, yeah, no. I'm a husky, so like there was some battles there, but you know, whatever, man. Kentucky is Kentucky, man. That I like I said, at this point in time, I can't really hate them at this point in time. At, in your favor, at least Kyle Perry is still in the NBA and yes, his yes. two main uh threats are not people like Anthony Davis. Yeah. They are now Kerry Kittles and Keith Van Horn. And that <laughs> is not a slight no, I mean to Kerry Kills and Keith Van Horn, but sure? they go. It's, it's not a slight. I mean, they had they had they had moments on the New Jersey Nets. Cool. Kid's not there yet, so yeah, he's not. You know, they can't. They don't really have too much of a huge threat, and uh, to face the Chicago Bulls or at least beat the Chicago Bulls or even get a game against the Chicago Bulls because right, Kenny right. Smith does not. Uh, now we're getting. Uh, <laughs> it's not Kenny Smith. Look, Kenny Smith was there laughing and saying, yeah, no, you know, was not giving a shit about it." He was like, "All right, clean sweep. Let's get to the next game." Yeah, that was green. <laughs> So the Bulls start playing the Nets, and mm-hmm. Kills and Van Horn are coming out swinging a little bit. They're cooking up a little bit, something that was not expected for, for, for the 98 Chicago Bulls. And Bulls end up winning, but they end yeah. up winning game one in overtime. In true last dance fashion, we don't see any type of clip of what brought it to overtime in the first place. Yeah. It just fast-forwarded. We get, okay, Bulls win in overtime, and we get the fallout that comes from that. Reports that were saying that you know, Michael Jordan looked exhausted. Right. He was tired, been been carrying the load, the world on his shoulders. Apparently he's exhausted. Yeah, it's 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 coming to the last few weeks, the final months of Michael Jordan in his career. And in the first game of the first round, he's looking fairly winded. And it's something that you start seeing that people have not seen since 1993. And for one of the first times in the documentary, we actually get a good transition. What happened in 1993? And we zoom into 1993 of where we left Michael in 1993, at least with the three Pete that he had just won beating the Phoenix sun. So nice transition. Right. You said exactly. We're getting into an area where his gambling is being discussed almost daily. Mm-hmm. We're here. Although he has won his third championship, his three-peat essentially, we get the photo of him throwing his threes up, his hat up, and not everything is hating like it was in 1991 where he was crying over his NBA championship. And, ha- and how could it, right? Your first compared yeah. to your third might not, might not hit the same, but it looked like there were other things that were on Michael's mind and actually bothering him. Yeah, I mean... I feel like, you know, obviously you get your first one or your second, you're going to be a little bit more emotional about it because of the position it was, you know, your first or your second. And he's grown up as well. So to him, it's, this is business as usual, right? You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, well, whatever, let's get it. So now the summer of 1993 comes and he does a celebrating the way that he has always done with his father. Mm-hmm. Um, we start seeing some conversation from Michael in present day, of course, and it looks very hard for Michael to discuss this. Uh, we do not get the tears as of right now. He's, he seems like he is holding it back, but being able to discuss the type of friendship just that he had with his father in general, not even from a parental perspective, is something that is still very hard for Michael to this day. Right. And the documentary goes into an area in the summer of 1993 where Michael and his mom, of course, Dolores Jordan, they lose contact with James for mm, a couple of days. Say, say three, four days, a few days. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. A few days pass and 
you know, it's not it's not the most uh, frequent of things to happen, but nobody's truly worried as of yet. Michael knew that, you know, sometimes he goes back down to North Carolina, hangs out with friends, uh, might be doing X, Y and Z. Uh, and it's, it's, it's something that's common. He's not really worried as of yet. And, and neither was his mother. Yeah. But he specifically quoted that as soon as she started worrying, that is when he started worrying as well. Yeah, and three to four I, days start turning into three weeks. Right. I think it what was it his was it his brother who yeah. said, um, you know, it's unusual to not, for him not to kind of keep up with the family. Yeah. So as three days, three or four days turn into three weeks, we start getting the news reports that his car was stripped and hidden in North Carolina. There's not really a specific uh, uh, culprit as of yet. We don't know mm. how it happened. We just know that his car is stripped. His car is hidden. He's gone. Nobody knows until August 13th of 1993, where his body is found in a creek. Yeah. And Michael starts going over the story of James riding around. There could be a certain point in time that he gets tired and actually takes a nap. And apparently people pulled up on him, shot him and, Robert. Did whatever they did with the car, probably robbed him and threw him into the creek. Now, as graphic as that sounds, the documentary does a good job of not actually showing anything that might have come with that. I'm sure Michael would have X'd out any of those type yeah. of areas um, that made it a little bit too wild. Yeah, I don't think they wanted it to be about the case, per se. You know what I'm saying? So they just gave us uh, surface level details um, just so we can move on with the doc. But it's hard to to actually hear all of that and actually end a sentence like that and put a question mark at the end of it. Because yeah. what reporters did, as as difficult as it actually may be to present it, the reporters started looking at this of an area where is there a certain story that we are actually not getting out of this? And there's something that's hidden, maybe. Yeah. Right. It's something that has been folklore on the internet for a very long time. People have... Mm -hmm actually credited it to this and as far as my knowledge is concerned again this is an area where I'm two years old i do not know if there's much concrete evidence that shows that this is a direct link but <clears throat> what michael jordan has had to deal with the past few weeks is a lot of silence a lot of difficulty taking on these rumors of gambling right right uh but, you know real quick man it's like i know uh he's jordan's been retired for a long time so going back to like you know the millennium and and being in 2020 2019 2018 twitter social media you know i mean if you haven't seen the michael jordan uh got his dad killed you know haha -ha tweets i'm sure i'm sure any portion of I'm, nba twitter yeah, has seen it right i'm sure i'm sure if you're if you're into sports or uh, the nba you've seen it you know whether it's been uh, a joke or somebody being absolutely serious about it, those rumors are out there still. And right, and and at this point in 2020, it's hee hee ha ha, but 1993, yeah, yeah. it's it's very controversial to actually start putting that in a newspaper and saying, hey, is it a coincidence yeah. that, you know, you were just uh, after the Knicks game, you went out to Atlantic City, it seems like you and your dad are pretty comfortable with this. Yeah, you imagine if that happens in 2020 and like, you know, like journalists are writing stories about, you know, the potential death of a player's family member because of their habits, bad habits. Yeah, you can you you can directly throw a, a tweet out and not yeah. and not know a single and not know a single fucking yeah, thing. Yeah, look what happened with um look what happened with John Wall's dad and um ah uh, what's his fucking name? Look what happened with John Wall's dad and Colin Coward. 
Okay, yeah, 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 exactly. Exactly. I mean, you can't just, you can't just, you definitely can't, especially in 2020, you can't just go off the limb sending out tweets, especially if you're a, a high top, you know, a top journalist out here, because there's going to be people out there that just run with it. Exactly. It's 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 an area where you can be comfortable now and rise speculation without really having to uh, take account for the fact that you are now putting this in a newspaper or the fact that you're writing this in a book as you would be in 1993 and not having too much of the areas on the Internet at that point in 1993 to actually put something up and be like, hey, guys, it's a conspiracy and do a whole Reddit thread of uh, right. things that you are starting to actually consider. So. As they start blaming Michael, Michael is pissed. I do not know if I can really blame Michael at that point at all because a lot of it just starts coming out in a very uncomfortable area. And as uncomfortable as Michael is right now, we remember what Magic had said. You guys are going to drive him out of this game if you guys keep talking about things like this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, bro, I don't know. I mean, if I was in that situation um, and – I know for a fact that regardless if gambling is a bad habit or whatever, if other people are questioning my habits of how I spend my money or put my money on the line uh, and I'm this type of player and the media is attacking me saying that I may have had something to do with my, you know, my father passing. I mean, I wouldn't want to, you know what I'm saying? Like it would take a lot out of me as well. And granted, this is not, this is not your father that, you haven't seen in 20 years. This is not your dad that yeah. might show up to a couple life. of games and, and, and XYZ. You see him literally every single championship win, not every mention, single important point of his life and his career in the NBA so far. And not to mention, you know, the documentary does a good job letting us know that the NBA itself embraced Jordan's father. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So not just was he a part of Jordan's career, he was a part of the NBA in a sense, you know, like they, he was a, he was a proud father. He, he was the father of the greatest player of all time. He wasn't doing anything fugues from what, from what we know. He wasn't, he wasn't causing issues, no. riling up referees and saying yeah. this call is bullshit yeah. and this and that being very positive. Yeah. Apparently uh, everybody that talked about him, you know, on, on this episode said that he was just a very positive outgoing man. So as my Rashad flies out, you know, very close friend of Michael Jordan, Jordan's mom, making sure that he knows he has to be thankful of the points of his life that he was actually here to celebrate with Michael. Uh, Michael starts getting into an area where he wants to leave and right. he doesn't really look like he's blinking at saying this type of request, essentially. Mm-hmm. And Jerry Reinsdorf is is still thinking this is a joke because, again, Michael Jordan, biggest thing in sports yeah. at this point in time. So. As much as Ryan Zdorf is shocked, he says, you know, you can't retire until you talk. Right. And they have that. I respect that. Yeah. They have that conversation by themselves. Nobody on the side to try and influence any things. And and as much as Phil was not the biggest fan of it, he understood it. And I feel like anybody from the outside looking in can start viewing that and understanding it 17 years or how much it have been. Yeah. 17 years down the line, because in 1993, it's still a huge shock to actually hear that a player like Michael Jordan, especially after winning three championships now wants to go. But in Michael's words, he has no more challenges yeah, and I'm, no more motivation. And I, and I, and I believe him, you know, I really, I know we're going to get into the rumors about why he may have retired er, earlier or whatever, but I actually believe that it, it was the reason that he said, you know, um, no challenges. Uh, you know, he, he, 
he didn't have the heart for it at that very moment. And I think there's nothing wrong with that, especially after all the things that he accomplished. Uh, and obviously, you know, uh, his father passing, you know, it wasn't the same. It just wasn't the same for him. And people, I respect that. And the other point is, like you said, the biggest name in sports, right? Who would walk away yeah. from all of that, right? If they didn't actually mean it. You feel me? So it's like if, if I'm at the peak of my career in that situation, just three peak, you know, I'm the mega star. Be like, Mike, I got everything I need. And I decide to walk away. He had I mean, the reason has to be pretty deep. And we've seen a, a, a fairly shocking moment in the NBA, not even two years prior as mm-hmm. Magic Johnson provides his HIV speech. And yeah. that is an area that shocks the NBA to its core, really. But uh as we get into 1993, the NBA now has to prepare, especially David Stern specifically, has to start preparing for losing another one of his athletes that have made the NBA the huge conglomerate that it actually is as of right now. So we fast forward all the way out to October. It's game one of the ALCS. Uh, the Chicago White Sox are playing. We get one of the nastiest fits that I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> yeah, you if, you have not so? seen this, if you have not seen this photo of Michael Jordan, Oh, in this gene fit, oh man, throwing out the first pitch. Yeah, I was first introduced to it through a photo. I had not, I had not seen the video, so yeah. seeing this was actually something that was very funny. But that fit, I mean, it is, it is nasty. It is nasty. So he throws out the first pitch, goes all the way back up um, to the box that the, uh, uh, the Bulls owners are actually in as of right now, and within hours, we start getting reports in this game specifically yes. that. Michael Jordan's about to quit. He's about to leave. Yeah, I had no idea about this, by the way. So this was all new for me. Um, having that type of information leak out while he's at, atten- you know, while he's attending a, a game. Um, I'm sure it was new to Michael, too, because he's he he hauled ass and sped off in the seventh inning and, and yeah. zoomed out with his car. So yeah. he's not providing any type of answers. He's not confirming, not giving anything. He's going to do this on his own merit. And as of right now, it looks like Michael is very focused on his own merit. Doesn't have it right now. A lot of things are going down in his life that he wants to be able to grab a hold on a certain things and, and actually do things that he wants to do for himself. You're right. So now every single media outlet in the entire world is here for this announcement. People are camped out in front of small TVs throughout the entire world. Times Square is lit. Everywhere is going to go wild for this moment that Michael Jordan is going to announce that he is leaving the NBA. They refer to it as looking like the Last Supper because you have Reinsdorf, you have Kraus, you have Phil Jackson, you have David Stern. Yeah, yeah. And it's all Michael Jordan just saying, you know, the definition of retiring is you get to do anything you want from this day on. And it doesn't necessarily mean that maybe one day I'll, I'll feel like coming back, possibly. But as of right now, he he is very content in what he is saying that he wants to move forward with something else. So everybody's shocked. Everybody's crying. Everybody's having certain type of emotions. And truthfully, David Stern should have been crying because I would have been completely afraid of the pocketbook at this point uh, for the NBA. But that's when we started getting a little bit of change of music in the documentary. And we see the speculations that came out that maybe this was a secret suspension. All right. Right. A suspension that nobody has talked about. And I have heard that from certain points in time. Elton has specifically said it as well, and I would laugh. But I thought about it, and the first thing, the first question that comes to my mind is, okay, what are you going to suspend Michael Jordan for? Because 
can you suspend Michael Jordan on these certain areas of gambling? And yeah. I I struggled with that type of, of 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 issue of how to actually suspend Michael Jordan for that, right? Yeah, I can't I can't wrap my mind around it personally. Um I think yeah, it just does I mean, it just doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me. I don't, you know, why would you suspend the money maker of the league, your franchise team, the league player for 18 months. For 18 months. I mean, it just doesn't make sense. Like, whatever, I, you know, like, I, I guess, I, I just don't, no, I don't get it, bro. It doesn't make sense to me. And all the different names that are in this documentary called a bullshit, not true, makes no sense at all. And, and that's kind of where I was at that certain point in time. And thank God we got David Stern saying that it was ridiculous. Yeah, I like that, man. No basis, in fact, just not true I at all. When you look at it, it kind of doesn't make sense. But then I thought, you know what? David Stern has had some conversation about bodies <laughs> that he knows that are buried. I mean, is this one of them? I don't think so, bro. This is a quote that he has had at least years down the line. So we do not hear that at all in 1998. But no. there has been some controversial things in the NBA, one of which being uh, Tim Donnie in the 2002 Lakers. There's many different things that you can try and pull out to say, okay, David Stern probably has hidden certain types of things in that could this be one of those i thought about it and it was fairly difficult to actually try and pinpoint it to something that he is holding down because again yeah doesn't make much sense to actually do it and try and teach michael jordan some some form of lesson what lesson do you teach michael with that right i just feel like it's it's super far-fetched i feel like you're throwing you're literally throwing away money okay uh throwing away viewership you know, throwing away ratings, I j- it just doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense to me, and I, I personally just kind of like refuse to believe it. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and gambling, at the end of the day, is still a personal matter, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're a grown man, if you want to throw his bread away on chips, nigga, so be it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it is what it is. I don't really know. What do you? You know what I'm saying? I don't. I don't get it. Man. Now, thankfully for Michael, he can move forward with a lot of this and realize that he is going to do something that he wanted to do as a child that his father wanted to do specifically as a child. And one of the reporters even said back in the dream team of the summer of 1992, he told him specifically, I'm going to shock the world and go play baseball before he even entertains the area of the three peep. He said, I do it right now, but bird and magic never won three in a row. So again, that's some real shit though. Huh? We have heard I his interest, retire, but I want three in a row. Eh? Yeah. The two, the two biggest, uh, icons in the NBA for the 1980s. As the Lakers and the Celtics fought through, through an entire decade, none of them ever pulled off a three-peat. And that has been on Michael's mind as far as topping Bird, as far as topping Magic in some of the biggest ways possible. He wants to be able to pull off a three-peat. Now he's gone. There's no opportunity for four. And if you want to talk about the competitive nature of Michael Jordan, maybe that's where people start pulling things into it. But uh, well, pulling things into it from a secret suspension type of area, because from what it's looked at, it's like people say, OK, Stern told Michael, retire, give it a little bit of distraction, get it off the way so that people don't try and put some correlation in, in between things. Right. Right. But I just don't buy it. Oh, man, I, I, I feel you, bro. And I mean, I'm with you. Now, one thing that actually surprised me was that Reinsdorf kept paying his contract, which felt like a slap in the fucking face to me because Scotty's sitting over there eating <laughs> water sandwiches for $2 million. And I you're know. not passing him any bread. I while, meanwhile, 
Jordan <laughs> leaves and he's getting three fucking million dollars <laughs> not said, playing the sport. He said, he said, I feel like Jordan was underpaid since he's been here. I'm like, underpaid? Listen, listen, listen. I feel like I I have no idea when Jordan redid his deal with uh with Nike. Uh but I mean he may have been underpaid in the in the sense of like how massive he was. Mm. But what kind of contract were you supposed to give him with the current cap at that time? You know what I'm saying? So like maybe he's just saying how, as great as he was, was he actually underpaid? Was he? Compared I mean Compared to the numbers that we actually see as of, as of right now, I mean, maybe maybe he was. You know what I'm saying? Just based off what he was doing, but I don't. But the time, I don't think he was. You know what I'm saying? Like the time frame, the cap, all that thing. I'm sure he wasn't underpaid based off what was actually going on during that time. You know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, and in 1998, I mean his 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 max contract is like, ooh, Michael Jordan's getting the big money. It's like 30 yeah. million dollars. Right, right. I mean today, you know, today he's a 200 million dollar man. You know what I'm saying? Easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. No. So, I mean, but when it, I heard when I heard under it's just like it's just like you know you know you know the white know. guy meme of this his eyes widen up. I'm like I'm yeah. underpaid. No, 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 no. I feel you. I mean, yeah, I get it, bro. Like to keep paying him the three million when he had other players on his roster uh, not getting what they deserve was you know a little weird. So now we go to the baseball era of him playing double A baseball at his certain point of age. They put him in double A baseball. Because uh, again, he, he can't go directly to the major leagues. He's just not that good as of right now. But he couldn't go to rookie because those types of areas are made for actual rookies. You aren't going to be able to handle the media of a three-time NBA champion now going to play baseball. So they put him in Double A, and he goes to the Birmingham Barons. Uh, I feel a little bit embarrassed for the goofs that are laying on the damn ground to try and sneak a peek of Michael Jordan underneath the damn gate. <laughs> Hopefully they're able to watch this documentary and see themselves and, yeah, and, and dope, start to question what they were doing in 1990. <laughs> yeah, if I, if I saw myself doing this, I'd be like, nigga, what the fuck was I doing, bro? Why but the Bears manager saw respect for him very early, and there was a 13-game hitting streak, and that got a little bit of interest. Uh, but then he started getting worked, and they were like, man, let's expose him. <laughs> throw him a couple of curveballs, throw him a couple of yeah. different shit, and they start exposing him crazy. Right. So Sports Illustrated comes out, says Michael Jordan and the White Sox are embarrassing baseball. And I mean, at this point, we already know how Michael is. That that pissed him <laughs> off, but you can't you can't bar up the Sports Illustrated for 70 points. So yeah. I mean, I I I look, who who's turning down Jordan though mm-hmm. for a chance to work out for their baseball team at that time? I know that Jerry owned them as well, so it was different. Like, the situation was different. But I'm just saying, like, if Michael Jordan at that time, the biggest athlete in the world, says he wants to try out for your baseball team, I you're feel gonna like do it. You're going to do you, it. You, you, so, you want the press. It right. doesn't matter whether you're good or not. You're going to suck. You want the jersey sales. You want yeah. everything that comes with that. So for them, to, for you know, people to come out and say, you know, they're embarrassing the MLS or whatever, it's like, come on, bro. Any any one of y'all would have had him come and try out for for y'all. You know what I'm saying? Just is mm-hmm. what it is. He's Michael Jordan. So now he felt slighted uh, from that Sports Jam. Illustrated information that's and starts working. Space Jam was hilarious, but go ahead. yeah, yeah. His his. I mean, we're gonna discuss his areas of motivation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, ends up doing fairly well after this after this criticism, and, and truthfully, after a while, he knows that he's not going to be able to dominate this. There's not going to be a major league stint out of all of this, at least as of right now. Just he just wants to be one of the guys. He just wants to work, work hard, use his epic to try and make something out of this. 
and end up doing very well with it. We fast forward from August 94 all the way back to 98, where Tony Kukoc <laughs> <laughs> is worried that Jordan was going to knock his ass out. Yeah. At least from, from what he sounded like. Scott Burrell, Scott Burrell is damn near shaking in his seat because he's getting barred up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we get, at least uh, from what we are considering throughout this entire documentary as of right now, the most, the, mo- the two most important quotes from this entire documentary. Yeah. Fuck up that play, you big fatty <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, This is probably the closest that we're ever going to get to Muggsy Bogues and <laughs> that story because it looks like Muggsy Bogues is not in this documentary. But Yeah, it looks like it's not. Shout out Muggsy, man. Bueller is specifically saying people were afraid of him. And, you know, we're his teammates. And truthfully, listeners, how can you not? Imagine you got to hear that uh, seven no, no. in the morning. No, wait, wait, dog. Not just, do you, not just do you have to hear it, but you got to hear it from the, that, him, the greatest. Ba- At that time, he was still considered the, the, the best. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you can't really. What are you supposed to? It's it's one thing if like Jimmy Butler comes and says it to me, right? I'm like, all right, you know, whatever, nigga. Like, you know, you're kind of what? an all star. But then like, huh? then, like, kind of an all yo y'all y'all with these with like, these. But then like you know, if Jordan says it to me, I'm like, yo, Jordan is straight disrespecting me right now. I feel awful. I feel if you just had your eggs, you just had your coffee. It's seven in the morning. You can, <laughs> you're, you're trying to wipe the cold out your eye. You're getting practice right. You know, shooting up a little bit, and this is what you're hearing. That's that. That's what makes you. Ha- that's what makes you. Ha- that's what makes you like. Yeah, hey, you know what? Hey, it is. Oh, it is Mike. That would kill me, bro. I'd be so upset. You know what I'm saying? You like, <laughs> uh, said it was such like you know he meant that shit. I know, and and you know it's it's that's like that's like a mon- that's like a Monday for Scotty Pippen. He's already seen it so much. He's just like laughing at it. Right. But Scott Burrell is just like, uh, I mean, shit. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to tell you. We can't speak back to Mike. What are you, what are you, what are you gonna say to that? I don't know, bro. I mean, you, you, you say nothing because that situation is out of your hands at that point. You know. So now, anything you, anything you say to him doesn't it? It's like automatic reflect because and, it's Jordan, bro. Yeah. Thankfully for his case, we go for whichever reason, all the way back to 1993 once again, because now, thankfully for the Bulls, they don't have to deal with this voice at 7 in the morning anymore. Now it's Scottie Pippen, who's a little bit more calm and has the responsibility of being more controlling as Phil Jackson now has to uh, source everything through Scottie Pippen. And Scottie Pippen uh, specifically states that he dealt with this type of communication a lot different than Michael did. You start seeing him with arms around uh, BJ Armstrong and stating that, you know, we'll, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll switch things differently in the next play. Uh, we'll do X, Y, and Z. We'll do this and that yeah. to be considered as teammates. I mean, he, he just had a little bit of a different strategy of talking and maybe a, a much better amount of patience than Michael did. So they had nobody yelling at them. They got up plenty of shots, according to Scotty Pippen. Now that right, Michael's right. gone, happy, man. He was a shooting, and, and everybody's happy. A little bit Scottie more comfortable. Like, guy, let's let's play. He was just a good guy. He's happy. You know, yeah, pop. yeah, we got, yeah, we got him. Was that was that was that, was that your Scotty voice? Did you like that? That's not really Scotty, obviously. I thought you would have been like, "Come on, fellas, let's yeah, uh, no, let's no. go ahead and get you know, again." Yeah, you haven't noticed yet. Like when I mimic people, I give them like this fucking Mickey Mouse, a Mickey Mouse voice. Yeah, yeah. I I have noticed <laughs> that. 
if if I'm mimicking a, a girl, I, I do the same thing, but then it's just Minnie Mouse. So it's just I I don't know. I'm not I'm not like you, bro. You are very good at uh you know changing your voice to sound like somebody else. That's amazing, dude. It's an amazing. I don't have, I don't, I don't, have, I don't have my Scotty. Vo- I don't have my Scotty voice down yet. It's not it's it's not the easiest thing to do. So if I'm mimicking somebody, it's never gonna sound like the actual person. Rarely. If I had a fill, if I had a fill voice, I would have ate so crazy. Oh my god, I would have ate so crazy. Yeah, it great. Yeah, the whole the whole damn episode, bro. So now Chuck Daly bars up Phil Jackson the triangle. Now that Michael's <laughs> gone, because as Phil Jackson has probably heard thirty eight thousand times in his career, the triangle does work <laughs> when you have somebody like Michael Jordan. Yeah, it does work when you have somebody like Kobe Bryant. It works when you have somebody like Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, it's like there's so much triangle like slander but yet this man phil jackson has won so many rings doing it it's like come on man so he's like chuck said that shit wait till yeah, see yeah, this nigga. hey hey, hey good luck hey, good luck wait till i see this nigga i appreciate that i'm gonna get on chuck <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna slap the fuck out of this nigga while i see him so bull sweep the calves yeah. uh and have an a1 series with the new york knicks and this is where i have to introduce the guest oh yeah that's right that's right this is where i actually have to introduce the guest because Got a little bit of a call, uh, uh, a call yesterday. <laughs> tell him, tell him about the call, man. Um, it is a call again from from uh, somebody who is very responsible for my being, yeah. uh, kind of, and kind of is 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 one of the well, at least ha- half, half <laughs> at least halfway, and um, is one of the bigger Michael Jordan fans that you will find uh, at his age. And he calls me, and speci- and I, I swear to God, I really should have mic'd up yesterday when, when, uh, have, once, once this conversation went in a certain area. But it ended up getting fairly uh, emotional. At, well, not emotional, but dramatic at certain yeah. points and times. My dad calls me yesterday mm-hmm. and says, should be watching that last dance, right? You still, uh, <laughs> you still like that LeBron guy? And I'm like, are you fucking kidding? Are you fucking kidding me right now? So... That goes into an area of discussing things with LeBron James and Michael Jordan in, in an area that I don't want to talk to my dad about this morning because he's just gonna say things like, "Oh, oh, how uh, 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 what is he? Was he three six mafia? Uh, what is he? Uh, you look, you look, Kyrie bailed him out." And I'm just like, you know what, nigga, my dad be like, "I'm not even watching the league no more. This shit trash." <laughs> My dad still watches the league, but he's just like, what, how many, how many finals, how many game sevens did Jordan play in? And I'm like, bro, who the fuck cares? Honestly, get our dad's mic'd up and let him throw their opinions on what happened at this point in time. And it's, it'd probably be a massacre on here, but it'd probably I am, be entertaining. I am so over, I am so over rings conversation because there's just, as we are thinking of this documentary, there's many different things that we could talk about with Michael. I don't want to discuss the amount of game sevens that he had. I don't want to discuss the the, final, the finals that he won. We are well aware of statistics. We know, man. We know. We are well aware of statistics. So as we have a small conversation with LeBron James and Michael Jordan, we start getting into a conversation that happens literally in the remainder of The Last Dance. I'm a little bit upset because he spoiled it, but he did provide some insight that the documentary didn't even uh, provide because he can spit a lot of these Bulls, Bulls games in that era from mental and specifically remember who was there, what had happened, what he was doing, so on and so forth. So we have the second round of the 1994 playoffs between the Bulls and the Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. This is something that I actually end up learning, and it, it's an area that my dad did not, did not bring up, but we'll discuss what he actually brought up in a moment. Pippen sits out 
in the most funny, in the funniest fashion, because he starts realizing that Phil Jackson wants to set up a play that has worked literally all season for Tony Kukoc to try and win uh, this game over the New York Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the Bulls are down 2-0, and they need to win this game. They need to get this, uh, they want to win the game in Chicago. They're going to Tony Kukoc. And Scotty's like, hey, I'm the guy that got us to the playoffs. You're not going through me. All right, I'm just going to sit down and not get up. So everybody's like, hey, uh, you got to bring the ball out. And Pittman's refusing to get up. <laughs> so apparently Phil Jackson goes, fuck him. Bring the other guy. <laughs> and let's go. I mean, what he's got a coach, bro. He's got to keep coaching. Like, what's he supposed I to just, do? I just love fuck him. Yeah, fuck yeah, him. That, that, that seems right. like to be a, a, a characteristic for Scottie Pippen and the Bulls for the, uh, for the past couple of years. He threw the uh... – the meditating Zen shit out the window. <laughs> I'm telling you that that Zen shit gets put to the side very very quickly. And it's like, you know, you coach, him. He's like, you know, fuck this nigga. Fuck, fuck, fuck. So they run the play, and I'm thinking, yo, Ku coach is about to get blocked. Ku coach <laughs> is about to is about to screw this up. Fuck this up. He's gonna clank it. He wets it the fuck up. And Phil Jackson walks off like I told y'all niggas I got this shit. The Kuko shot was like, he said it. You know, he's like, I hit a few game winners in in regular season. Yeah, he's like, I uh, hit a few game winners uh, from time. I mean, it worked. uh, And then then he wets it again. again, (laughs) And I'm like, oh, Pippen, you are an asshole. Yeah, no, at that point, like, I'm like, if I'm Pippen, like, I'm sitting there like, damn, I am, like, I'm a dick. You know, like, I'm an idiot. So now, so now, Cartwright, they all go to the back. Steve Kerr's like, I mean, I don't know what to say. We kind of like, we kind of like both these guys. I mean, uh, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's, it's kind of hard. So Bill Cartwright is now in the back saying, you know what, Scotty? You let the entire fucking team down. And you, you know, so, so now, so now Scotty is crying as well. They're all worried that, all right, Scotty, Scotty's not going to be able to live this down. So he's like, all right, we're going to hold it down. We get the infamous Pippin body on Ewing. Right. Spike, uh, Spike Lee's pissed. Now, the Bulls job in the final game in New York, but this is where my dad brought up an area that was interesting to me because as much as he's been a New Yorker his entire life, he was a huge fan of Michael Jordan. And as the Bulls got eliminated, he you know, he was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Whoever goes up against the Rockets, fuck it. Let's just let's just let's just you know. I'll 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 look at the, I'll look at the Knicks. I'm not really cheering for the Knicks, but <laughs> but uh, I would have I would have appreciated the Bulls going over them. And as of right now, is huge huge Knicks fan. But an area that did not get into the documentary where Scottie Pippen had a foul on Hubert Davis. Yeah, yeah. Closes out the series. They're about to win by one with 2.1 seconds remaining. John Starks throws a pass over to Hubert Davis. If you have not seen this play, I want you to go on YouTube, yes. type in Scottie Pippen, Hubert Davis. It should be the first mm-hmm. video that you see. Yeah, Mark's dad basically put me on as well because, you know, you showed me the clip before the show, and I, mm-hmm. my mind was blown. So now as that happens. If that happens in 2020, nigga. I mean. Hubert Davis yes. launches a three. Scotty Pippen takes all of his six nine body and leaps. The fucking Hubert Davis tries to block the shot. The ball goes clanking on the side. They call foul. Phil Jackson is ready to swing on the first person he sees because this has now costed the Chicago Bulls a win against the New York Knicks and the New York Knicks end up going to the NBA Finals. And this has been a call that has been debated for X amount of years. There's a terrible, terrible comment in the YouTube comments that says, very glad with this referee mask cost them the series and Pippen's legacy. Um, 
All right, look, first of all, we don't have to be thankful for that, for the ref passing away for that call. It was an awful call, true. Actually, ring. But come on. And as far as it ruining Scotty's legacy, I think that's a little overboard. Had it have been a much, a huge plus to Scotty Pippen if he was able to get Maybe, the Bulls yeah. to the NBA final without Michaels? Hell yeah. Sure, but I'm like, I, 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 his legacy is still intact. Like, I'm not looking at that moment like, um. You remember like, that. He could have done it without Mike, but yeah, uh, that wasn't cool. So, so no, I mean, I uh, it was definitely a bad call, one hundred percent. But I don't think it ruined his legacy. What, by the way, what happened in the finals? Oh, the Knicks got by. by the oh, okay, cool. Let's keep going. Yeah. So uh, as that as that happens, uh, the <laughs> I'm sorry. End of the episode. I mean, uh, I mean, what a huge smile to put on my face. One time. I, I love I, that I, energy. I had to feed that to you. So uh, the end discussion of episode seven ends up being with Michael being a nice guy and whether or not he, he has certain feelings about sacrificing being a nice guy to pay for the price of winning. And you know what he says? I never asked them to do something I didn't fucking do. If I'm a tyrant, that's on you. Cause you never won any fucking thing. And I'm like, yeah, there we go, Michael. Let's fucking shove it to him. Uh, but he ends it in an area where he's discussing that. And you know what? We get tears. We get, we get them. Yeah, I, and it, it's not really it's not really explained, um, but I just feel like because they were, you know they were talking about him being a bit of a dickhead or was he nice or was he you know a bad guy or not and mm-hmm. I just feel like having that conversation especially during the interview process is like I did what I had to do to win and it takes sacrifice mm-hmm. um, and I think at that very moment he just kind of broke down like you know. Hey, I had to do what I had to do. Like for you to question, you know, my the person that I am because of the way of the way that I was to win championships. I think it kind of got to him at a moment. That's why he was like, "Yo, I got, I need to take a break." But I thought, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. I yeah, thought yeah, it was, yeah. yeah, I thought it was an amazing ending because it's kind of like what I said. You know, I wanted to see that more vulnerable, insecure side there because I feel like at that moment he was kind of like, "Yo, I'm not a shitty person." You know, I just had to bury a lot of things to achieve the things that I wanted to achieve. And I think that was an important moment for us to see. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. And that's why this was maybe my favorite episode so far. There is a quote that I love the most from Dusty Rhodes as Hulk Hogan. Tur- I mean, this is this is now two years prior. Hulk Hogan turns heel, creates the New World Order, Bash of the Beach, 1996. Mm-hmm. There's an area that I always play in my head when he's like, you know what? Hulk has to look in the mirror. You got to look in the mirror. And you know what, Michael, it's it's and these certain areas where you bring up these types of things and what he's done to these people. It's hard yeah. to look at yourself in, in, yeah. in those types of areas. And but yeah. do, do, is it worth the price of being able to say six and no, no game seven, but right. nobody's going to be able to do what I did. Is yeah. it worth the price? I think, I think I think for him it was, but I also think that now, like you said, going going in the future and talking about it over, he he it may have just hit him because at the end of the day, yeah, he is human, right? As as, yeah. as he was, he is. So I think that, you know, he, he he's going back, going through these moments, revisiting these, these moments and these situations. And uh, we've seen that they are showing him other people's kind of like interview clips at times. I'm, I'm not sure if that's what you know they did, but I'm sure it gets to them at a certain point. I mean, yeah, in order to be great, you do have to have a certain amount of, you know, uh, vengeance. You know, you got to be a little bit of a vengeance villain. is a great word for Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you do, you know, I mean, it, it just is what it is. And I think that he, he sacrificed his, some of his character to be great. 
And I think that's what he was trying to explain. But at the same time, he wasn't just going to come out and say, look, I'm not a shitty person. I'm not a bad guy, but it just got to him. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's they're reminiscing right now. So it happens. Now, in episode eight, we actually see two people that end up not necessarily escaping, but move on from the winning ways of the Chicago Bulls and start going into different areas as we get back into the 1998 uh, NBA playoffs. So as episode eight begins, you get Jordan back. We're back into the area. Of they just beat the Nets. Now they're going to play the Hornets. That ends up being another series that everybody's like, okay, just go to the conference final. Yeah. But you have DJ Armstrong, a person who is more than aware of what goes on with Chicago and tells Charlotte, tells Glenn Rice, you know what? I think, I think we can get some for him. Yeah. And he knew he had the key, starts wetting Steve Kerr the fuck up and work the fuck out of Michael with 26 seconds left to give him a five-point lead and is pointing at Scotty, pointing at Mike, pointing at Phil Jackson, going crazy high, in. They just got the Bulls. It is now 1-1. So now everybody who expected this to be a sweep and moved on to the to, to the remainder of the series, now they just lost the first game in, in the playoffs. Michael says, you know what? You should have knew better. You should have knew better. He had one good game, one good game. And was uh he was taunting at the end of the W and mm-hmm. uh he he paid for it. He's playing uh he's playing R and B, swinging a bat. Ron Harper's Yo, like, uh, are you mad right now? That scene is it's like watching a fucking maniac. Yeah, exactly. He's like no, nah. he's like, no, should I be mad? Yo, and he's just he looked practicing his swing. Oh, he looked possessed, my nigga. And and the worst the, not the worst, but the best part about it was the R&B music playing in the back and him smoking a cigar. And he's just kind of like, he looks, he's zoned the fuck out. dog. If like, he would have knocked Ron Harper's bald ass head off his shoulders, I would not have been surprised in the least bit. That scene is crazy. Like he looked like a freaking maniac. But David Aldridge brings us to a story that happened a couple of years ago. And here we go to a, a 1993 uh, pushback to Bradford Smith, who ends up having a 37 piece on Michael Jordan's head. And we get the story that apparently Smith walked up to him and said, hey, Mike, uh, good game, bud. And that set up a fire under Michael that he, they played the next game in Washington. Yeah. And he lights him up for 36 in the first half right, right. and drops 47. And they asked Michael years down the line, hey, did that thing with uh, LeBron Smith actually happen where he said good game and you and you whooped his ass after? He's like, yeah. ah, I made that shit up. So I'm yeah. like, all right. It's crazy, bro. Like he made up a situation to drive himself. You are a maniac. That's that's that is absolutely like you're a maniac. Like I mean, he 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 literally made up a situation to drive himself. He'll light a fire. A like yo, I never said that shit. I swear to God, yo, y'all gotta believe me. I yeah. swear he made that shit up. Everybody's like, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Forty-seven on your head, B. Shut up. Yeah, take that. So now. As we start beginning to see that Michael is willing to do anything to psych himself up, we see that the Bulls win against the Hornets in five five games, Mm. get completely lit up. He targets B.J. Armstrong for the remainder of the series, and he's like, I I mean, I knew I had one good game, but goddamn. So now we're going to face the Pacers in the Eastern Conference Finals, and we move all the way back to 1995 with Michael Jordan still in baseball. Yeah. Reinsdorf says if Michael stayed with baseball, he would have made it to the major leagues. Um, possibly true. It looks like he was he was more than willing to put in the work ethic and and actually do it. 
I think that's what it's about with him, right? I mean, if he could put in the work ethic, I mean, I think he would have made it to the league, but I feel like he could have made it putting in half the work ethic because of who he is. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that sounds awful, but like I do think that I, unfortunately would put it, you know, bring in a lot of bread. Mm-hmm. Now, unfortunately, in Michael's case, the MLB ends up going on a strike around that area, and as the documentary states, they have one of the worst ideas of all time in putting some replacement players to actually play in baseball. And as they scouted Jordan to actually play for the White Sox in, in these type of areas and maybe be a replacement player, he said no. Uh, he did not want to cross that picket line and be one of these replacement players uh, to try and continue things with the MLB. So as of right now, he's not really doing too much. And he calls B.J. Armstrong in 1995. This is separate from what we just discussed three years uh, afterward. And he wants to meet with him. He invites him to a practice. BJ Armstrong invites him to a practice and says, you know what? You've been out of the game for almost two years. I could probably whoop your ass right now. <laughs> so they go on a 1v1. Everybody on the bull is like, oh, shit, he's here. Everybody's here. Everybody's here. Duck down, duck down, duck down. So he plays Armstrong one-on-one. Reporters start seeing this and start speculating crazy. This is an area where even Scottie Pippen himself is pointing to his tens in the middle of a game and telling him to come back, pointing at him. So he starts getting into that itch, starts getting into that area uh, outside of media, of course, because as of right now, still completely tired of the media. Mm-hmm. And David Falk, which is Jordan's agent, uh, struggled with writing his comeback press release that he was going to fax out to the NBA. And he said, you know what, fuck it, write your own shit. So he specifically said, I'm back on a fact sheet, send it over to the NBA, and everybody goes batshit crazy. Yeah. So now we have Michael Jordan coming back to the NBA, coming back to the Chicago Bulls specifically. And as of right now, Steve Kerr's like, uh, well, season's almost over, buddy. I mean, we're like three games over wait? 500. Yeah, you want to wait a little bit? Yeah, yeah. We're not the we're not the best right now. If you want to come back uh, in a couple months, uh, I don't know. But he comes out in March, and he starts seeing that the Bulls are a little bit different than what he left them in in 1993. Scottie Pippen is, of course, the head of the piece. But Horace Grant, which, ends up, which was ending up being a very important piece, is now out with the Orlando Magic. And he is now a star out in Orlando with Penny Hardaway and with Shaquille O'Neal. So Jerry didn't pay somebody. Is that what you're saying? Surprise, surprise, right? Surprise, surprise, man. So now this is an area where my dad starts getting into conversation. He <laughs> was very happy. With the Bulls whooping, uh, with with the Bulls whooping Orlando's ass in 1996, and I said you didn't like Penny Hardaway, and he was like, "Yeah, but they had a little bit of a mouth." So what happens with that with Orlando's mouth? They were dogs. Look at that team, bro. Exactly. So as Orlando starts having a mouth in 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 uh, uh before they start playing the Bulls, Michael has to deal with his first game back against the Indiana Pacers and his first game without his dad ends up being an emotional game. He's wearing the four five. First time he's wearing the four five and calls it a new beginning. Uh but his shorts were on backwards. Apparently he had, he had so, he had so little, what, do you, what do you think about this? Um we kind of spoke about it before the show right i mean i think of, i think a few things it could you be think um just to take the nerves off from coming back could be jameson could be crown royal could be johnny walker you, you can't convince me that at that time the greatest basketball player ever just a little something to take the edge off just a little something to take the edge off yeah, yeah, but yeah. I, don't think, I don't think it was a little something this man walked out with his with his shorts backwards man <laughs> I mean, sometimes, hey, sometimes if it's a, if it's a strong enough shot, you know, okay. could make you shoot. It could make you shoot seven for twenty eight. You know, you never know. That too. See, and this this is why I feel like this 
this uh, RSP and U theory that we have right now that he may have turned up just a tad bit before this game due to nerves and just a little bit, none too wild, none to none to set any uh none to set any other suspensions off. Oh, shit, Michael. Uh, so uh, it ends up being double nickel time, and um, this is where he jobs fifty five in the garden his fifth game back. Everybody's like, ah, oh, Michael Jordan's back, la, 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 la. <laughs> and we get to the nineteen ninety five NBA playoffs. Bulls pass the first round. Magic pass the first round, of course. And they see each other in the second round, and something that has not been seen in years happens where Nick Anderson rips Michael Jordan at the very end of the game, mm-hmm. and the Orlando Magic win game one. Yep. They even refer to in the documentary as watching Muhammad Ali in the second half of his career when someone lands a punch on him. You're just like, it can happen? Yeah, so he's human. It's surprising. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, uh, what was the ESPN report? He was just like, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan is human. Yeah, so. Yeah. He throws down to get uh, – uh, they go for a game winner. He goes to uh, try and create a game winner in this game. Unfortunately, he does not. Throws it away in complete fashion. That gets critiqued from a different NBA player. But that is not a point of this. No. The Magic win game one. What does Jordan do? Fuck this 45 shit, nigga. I'm like <laughs> – <laughs> Nick I'm Anderson specifically says 45 and 23. And he's like, man, fuck this nigga. This nigga's yeah. right. Fuck. Yeah. He throws it away. <laughs> he's like, I'm not wearing this shit no more. Goes back to 23 and goes crazy. Um, and what I didn't like was the sad, somber piano as Michael's realizing he cannot do this shit after just playing baseball for almost two years at a point in time. Orlando is embarrassing the Bulls in Chicago. And I'm just like, you know what? It's really not set. He just left. He yeah. just quit. Yeah. It's not going to be able to happen immediately where he just comes back and all of a sudden the 1995 NBA champions are the Chicago Bulls. And God forbid they pass, God forbid they pass Orlando and face Houston. What happens when they face Houston? You can't pass Orlando. How, how are you gonna how are you gonna beat the Rockets? That is something that people have said and speculated that the Bulls might have not even been able to beat the Rockets if actually Jordan stayed and they moved forward to try and win a fourth NBA championship. It's just not going it, to, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a conversation that ends up being one of the big, big what ifs, but you get, you can't get past Orlando because Michael is just not in the shape to do so. Right. Right. Now it's over. And Horace Grant literally being held up by the Orlando magic stunting in the United center. Everybody leaves. And Michael is a little bit down because according to Michael, if you're going to sit down and take three hours out your day to watch me on TV, I have an obligation to give you my best. And okay. I mean, interesting quote, but it's now summer of 1995 bulls have lost. And now it's space jam time. Space jam. time. Where do we sit on space? Jam as far as basketball moves? Um, it's better than like Mike. Okay. Um, but is it, but is it better than what's that movie called? Uh, What's the, what's the movie where uh, <laughs> the, the movie where uh, uh, you know what's his name turns into a ghost? The Wayans brother. Um, what's that called? I can't remember. Ah, dude. But is it is it is it better than Above the Rim? Though I have a hot take on Above the Rim. How do you feel about Above the Rim? Above the Rim is like I really like Above the Rim, but there's a really funny. <laughs> I mean, the clip's been going around Twitter actually this past week. Um, when he threw the when he threw the alley to himself, <laughs> he threw he threw that. <laughs> like what happened? Like so, um, I have it. I have a confession. Okay. This weekend, I saw Above the Rim for the first time. Okay. Okay. I mean, that's that's fine. It was. I thought before. I thought that this was going to be something that is on the the premises of best basketball movies of all time. It was all right. It was cool. I feel you. 
I feel you. Hey, man, you know, it was, you got to understand. Okay, let's understand a few things. It was 94, okay? Mm-hmm. Pac was in it, okay? I think pain is probably one of the best oh, things of, of, of the Bugs. Pain, 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 pain was probably the best thing of Bugs. For, like, for me. One of my favorite Pac records. It's not on Apple Music. It's not on the Above the Rim soundtrack on Apple Music. Mm-hmm. I do it's have only a record if you need it. Above the Rim. I will send it to you. Pain, if you never heard of it, Tupac featuring Stretch, Pain. Um, I have it. If you guys need it, I'll send it to you. But Bernie Mac was in it. Uh, Marlon Wayans was in it. Pac was in it. So, you know, it was a, it was a black movie. Yeah, a very, very, very cultural. I understand yeah. the cultural aspects of it. As I'm far as the actual storyline itself, I was like, it's all right. Yeah, I feel you. I understand that. Hood classic. So now, so now, so now Space Jam ends up coming out. As, as a five-year-old at this point in time, it ends up being one of the most important things of my entire life. Um, right. Specifically, the Space Jam soundtrack. Uh, oh, I will not refer to the redacteds that are on the Space no. Jam soundtrack, but no. a very uh, important song on that point yeah. in time. Yeah. Um, as that is going on, Jordan seems a lot less interested in, rec- in, in uh, uh, recording or filming i should say space jam and is very interested in chiseling his body back to basketball form you've just been working on a baseball type of body for two years um said that his baseball body was a lot more chest a lot more shoulders so he wanted to work out and have a specific gym as they did all of his filming and as they did that he invited he invites reggie miller he invites juan howard he invites dennis rodman he invites patrick ewing i'm sure for joking purposes invites john bradley and they are all fighting each other in certain types of exhibition games where it's just like, you know, he's getting the best competition. And truthfully, he's getting some of the best competition from what it looks like out of the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So now he's inviting some of his, his best people that are out there and just like, you know what, if I'm going to be able to get through this in 1996, uh, I have to fight, I have to face the best. I have to get comfortable with playing versus the best. And the documentary goes into everything that happens with the 72 and 10 Bulls. They beat the 1971 and 70 to Lakers and their 69 and 13 record and end up being the best basketball team of all time at that point in time. Not a lot of people were very um, uncomfortable in saying that, especially with 72 wins. Uh, they're the first 70 win team, 70 wing team at that point in time, but there was a road to get to there. And Michael is now more than comfortable to get back into that tyrant type of atmosphere that ends up with Steve Kerr being one of the latest recipients of that because he actually pushes back against Michael, hits him in the chest, and he's here Kerr saying, I mean, you know, I'm a little person, but I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be able to take that shit. And I'm like, Kerr, I swear to God. So right. Michael cocks back and mm. hits him in the eye. Bill Jackson says, nigga, get the fuck out of here. What the hell are you doing? And um, he's just very remorseful because he says I should be the smallest guy on the fucking court and I feel this small. So Steve Kerr said the best thing I ever did was stand up for myself at that point because I earned his respect and blah, 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 blah. it just sounded like yes sir to me because Michael Jordan is going to be able to take all of this yeah. to the promised land as they get the 72 win season and the quote that it doesn't mean a thing it don't mean a thing without the ring. So they wipe the heat they wipe the Knicks and Horace Grant knew that Michael and the Magic were going to clash in a way that he was 100% not ready for because Michael had Orlando on his mind all summer. So the Bulls sweep the Magic, 
and end up going to the NBA Finals in 1996 against the Seattle Supersonics, which were a good team, but apparently it's viewed as the greatest mismatch in NBA Finals history. How about that? Something to consider, right? Even if Gary Payton says, you know what, a lot of people thought we were underdogs, we were still a damn good team. Reporters calling it as the greatest mismatch in NBA Finals history. And how could you really match it? Despite that Gary Payton and Sean Kemp and George Carl end up creating some good magic out there. How are you gonna how are you going to go up against 72 wins? So according to Michael, before this even begins, he has a little bit of a rapport with Gary Payton. You know, he walks uh he walks over and says, Hey, um, what's up? Are we gonna have a good game? And Gary Payton just walks off. And he's like, oh, you didn't say hi? All right, I'll show you. And I'm like, what a, what a fucking psychopath. Psychopath, bro. So that goes up to him barring the fuck out of Gary Payton, working him to the area where they go down 0-3. And George Carl is discussing trying to take Payton off Michael Jordan down 0-3. And Gary Payton's like, you know what? Fuck that. I'm doing what I want to do specifically. I want to stay on Michael Jordan. I just won defensive player of the year. I am going to lock down Michael Jordan. Mm -hmm. In my head, you go down 3-0 in the NBA Finals in 2020, it's a wrap. We're moving over to the summer. We're moving over to Summer League. We're moving over to the remainder of the season. So they get two games. Two games. Sonics get two games. They make it 3-2. and We're not getting swept. And Michael is watching this conversation. Gary Payne was like, hey, if I did that shit uh, from game one, who knows? It might have been a different conversation. And he is letting out the biggest roar of laughter. And I'm like, oh, you are so great. This is crazy. So they win the championship on Father's Day. We get the iconic area of Michael Jordan in the back uh, crying very heavy with the basketball in his hand. Um, another piece that i really do commend 2k11 god i love 2k11 so much i know man. Uh, i know you you've brought this that game up maybe three three four times already but you're absolutely right i mean it was legendary they, they really they really just covered all the bases and it was just a game that michael jordan was not one was was 100 not losing on father's day but episode eight ends going back to 1998 for the pacers and the eastern conference finals as reggie miller has had multiple different years knocking off the new york knicks and trying to get to facing michael jordan to at least make the nba finals this is his biggest point in this time at this certain stage he says this is it you are going to retire michael jordan if he is the one to do so he is going to have a huge type of chip on his shoulder to be able to do that but episodes 9 and 10 we have already discussed are still in the works so as these episodes end, I would expect some really good conversation from Reggie Miller from the Indiana Pacers and what it took for these Chicago Bulls to get over the hump of beating Indiana and heading to the 1998 finals, more than likely for episode 10 against the Utah Jazz. Will there be many different areas that we have to kick back for? I don't really know as of right now because I feel like we've covered a lot of the past. Yeah, we, we really have. I, don't, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what we're missing here. I want to uh, – I'm trying to think what, what I really like. I would like to see a lot of these things in the Eastern Conference Finals. I want to see the huge shot that he hits to win to win um, uh, one of those games in the Eastern Conference Finals. I can't remember which one. But uh, the 1998 NBA Finals, that entire conversation is going to be something that is very nice. So – That was a full game, for God's sake. Exactly. That might, be, that might end up being the entire episode 10. We might – take a whole half of that episode 10 to just be able to discuss everything from many of the different talking heads of the Chicago Bulls because they have many to talk about but 
It will be our final week next week in RSPN Uncensored as we cover episodes 9 and 10 of The Last Dance. And all in all, I liked what came from episodes 7 and 8 a whole lot because, again, we're getting more of what we wanted in 5 and 6, a little bit more vulnerability yeah. uh, and conversations towards Michael Jordan and what actually goes on in that head outside of the statistics that are talked about um, for years to come. You know, they cleaned up the timeline a little bit. Um, still, still a little bit all over the place, but it's it's a little bit more forward. Um, I like I said before, I, I think episode seven was still my favorite episode so far, but eight was great. These, I think these these sets were very very good. Now, as we get close to next week, I promise if there's any form of conversation, I will provide that as a bonus episode because my dad and I can literally go for minutes on end um, on these types of conversations. Um, but I promise next time it actually does happen, that will be mic'd up. Uh, anything that you'd like to say before we move forward and get closer to our final area of RSPN Uncensored? Oh, man, uh, we got to we gotta find a way to keep this shit going when this shit's all over, man. Give us another doc, man, or bring basketball back uh, soon, hopefully, as long as everybody's safe, man, so we can, can get this thing going. We can actually start reviewing. Uh, <laughs> we can actually, now that we have that conversation of certain movies, we can actually start reviewing, uh, have an area of reviewing these types of movies like Air Bud and goddamn Joanna Man and shit like that. That'd be hilarious, bro. We could. I think I think that might be the next venture as we get closer to July because Stephen A hasn't confirmed anything yet. I have the perfect movie. I just, I texted to you. Check it real quick before we get off air. Let's take a look at this. We are not watching just right for content for not content purposes. I refuse. Let's cut. Let's cut the. I am not watching a comedy movie for that. Nope. I'm good. We'll see y'all next week.